Hey, I'm Nick Zano. I play McKnight on Obliterated, and you are watching the Obliterated Companion. And congratulations on your failed marriage, Janet. Welcome back to another episode of Obliterated Companion. I'm Peter, and you guys, joining me is uh, the man himself. Um, in in a, one of his projects, he was actually described as, um, or rather, they were looking for somebody with the sex appeal of Brad Pitt and someone who has a spirit of Santa Claus. Hopefully we get to talk about that project. Whoa. Uh, did that sound a bit of a vaguely familiar? I, no? I, I thought you were talking about somebody else. I was like, oh, this <laughs> well, is awkward well, for both of us. Yeah, sex appeal of Brad, uh, uh, Chris Reed. How about I'll, I'll change the name to 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 Chris Reed? Right. No, uh, uh, Nick, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak with you. Uh, there's, there's, I did my research, but I, I feel it's like the same stuff out there. Like, uh, so I want to try to see if I can do a deep dive and find anything else uh, about you uh, before we get into some of your previous work. Um, there's there's so, so, a few projects that I, I, I just, I, I can't wait to try to get some answers uh, about, but um, you started off in sales, shoe sales. Yeah. Before that wasn't by uh by a design that wasn't no? by like a brilliant business move. No, that was a, uh, not, not a yeah, school. That was like uh, a job. No, no, no class that they given. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> no technical training, nothing. Uh, that was my first uh, LA job. That started paying the rent. Uh, it was uh, Sunset Boulevard selling shoes, and that was um, that was like kind of my window into LA. I, I, I like sat there and I watched everybody with friends and money having a great time, and I would be in the uh, the. Sh- shoe selling business taking the sales rack of shoes out at the beginning of my shift at the end of my shift swapping the left and right shoes because of sun damage and you didn't have to uh get one shoe that would fade and the other one would be brand new so i was always swapping sales shoes outside of the sidewalk but that's where i got my break someone from mtv came in there and i helped them out and a dude named Danny Villa uh, called the shoe store and said, um, and, and I went to work and they said, hey, you have a message. And I thought I was helping somebody and they needed something. And I called and it was uh, the person picked up goes um, MTV, MTV network. And I hung up because I got nervous. I, I thought I called the wrong number. And I tried the number again and said it again. And I was like, Danny? And uh, lo and behold, it was Danny. And through like trial and error, I found myself on MTV, which was nuts. And I was a news correspondent. I was on MTV News and like I was emailing with Kurt Loader. That's an old school flashback to people. Like it was random, bizarre, unplanned, and, um, and short lived, but it was it was a wild it was a wild introduction. I got to meet like so many people, like six weeks after leaving shoe selling. Like I, I met literally everybody in that six week window. 
I, I mean, I have one-on-ones. I did so many interviews and been on sets, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome insight to like, oh, this is the business. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do that, and so um, I, I took you know the risky move, which was uh, like that. They're, they're very smart. I, I wasn't the first person who was like an on-air personality who wanted to do acting and be an actor. So they had some sort of like clause in a contract where they agreed to take second position to any acting job you got for like a significant uh, reduction in your salary. So that's, you know, it's hard to work in LA so I'm sure that deal paid for that for themselves, like countless times for them. Um, but unbelievably, I got a show. And and also unbelievably, I still worked for MTV. So there was like this uh, overlap in my life where I was like shooting a sitcom. And then in the middle of the week, I would have to go shoot a bunch of MTV stuff and interviews and then i go back to the sitcom and it was pretty wild it was a pretty wild existence and then uh my contract came to an end and i was like okay i'm that's done and 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 the acting thing started going and fortunately enough that just kept going but uh yeah that was my that was my launching pad and they also taught me a lot about business too those guys just the shoot, like the shoe business. <laughs> yeah, and that was just a shoe business, right? You you don't hear that stuff about you know from Al Bundy, you know all the technicalities of being a shoe salesman, you know. So so appreciate uh, some insight on that. You know, um, yeah. the, the the trajectories of our careers are clearly on complete different paths, but I I know exactly what you're talking about, kind of being in an element where you're like. I kind of have no business being here. Like I had the really cool opportunity to work Paley Fest, you know, where I got to work the red carpet for for Cobra Kai. And that, then I got interviews with people that, you know, I couldn't get because they were so highly profiled and publicists were like, you know, oh, you're, you're a podcast kind of, kind of deal. So yeah. I'm just like really overwhelmed at that point, but it was a really cool experience that opened up a lot of doors. Obliterated, for example, here I am speaking with you. So, yeah. um, but you're you're also it's, from New Jersey. Yeah, I'm a Jersey. I was born in New Jersey, but I did all my growing up in uh in Florida. Oh, I'm I a see. West Palm. I'm a West Palm guy. I grew up in a place called Loxahatchee. Shout out to five six one. We uh, yeah, it was interesting. There wasn't many people in Loxahatchee, but there was uh, uh one person that is. He's acreage. When I say he's acreage, not really locked to Hatchie, which is like the neighboring kind of area, is uh, Jerry Lorenzo, Fear of God. We went to the same high school, and we were like two guys who lived like in the woods. And we went to like a really nice high school because there was like no other schools around. We kind of got like bust in there. And uh, yeah, but Florida is like, Florida's like my home state. Jersey's where I was born, but like Florida's my home state. So in in Florida, that's you went to school there. So that's where you kind of did like uh, some some of the um, uh, drama department type stuff. I I read something about like doing weekly skits, comedy uh, like off comedy type stuff. 
Yeah. Well, I went to I went to a really nice high school. But again, I was like kind of bust into this high school. And um this high school was the nicest place I've ever been. Uh it was like a hotel. And when I got there, I was like, I'm it had like all these amenities. So I played football, did track and field, did weightlifting, and then they had a TV production department and they had like a, almost a small sound stage. And I was like oh this is kind of awesome so i did all of it and um and somebody was sick i think when i was like a sophomore or something and me and my goofball friends thought it'd be funny if we did the morning announcements um but like to kind of make fun of it but doing it seriously so the teachers wouldn't know we were making fun of it but we did we kept looking into the camera and like winking and like (laughs) nodding to like the students watching um and then we eventually took it over and then it just became like kind of like this free form morning announcement and then eventually by my senior year i had like i like a 10 minute sketch show every friday at my school that everyone watched and um it was pretty awesome It, it, it was the moment in my life where i was like man i really would like to do this forever and uh and then i had really nothing to lose and i and i and i did backtrack then i ended up selling shoes and worked my way up well i mean with that experience and you know even in school it sounds like that kind of gave you some sort of like you know experience and and a little bit of confidence to do the mtv gig right even if you're reading off a teleprompter like you you've done that before right so that wasn't foreign to you no, not at all. But it was it was fun in the setting of like I played sports in high school, but I was also in TV production. And those are two different worlds. However, there was an opportunity to take the guys I played like football with and bring them with the guys I made TV production with, which was like like sight comedy. There was like a little guy and then a giant guy and like there was like somebody doesn't play sports and then like someone who's a, one of the nation's top recruits. And I always put them in situations where we're all together and it was like kind of fun mix matching of everybody. And uh, it worked out. It was great. It was really one of the most fondest memories I have of my entire life was that time. No, I mean, so it sounds like, kind of stumbling upon that you you kind of found like this love for it did did you have any kind of like like uh as, as a youth did you have any aspirations to kind of get into performance um kind of but it was it was a different thing um i was raised by seven women so it was just like three generations and i was the only boy and uh and everybody's kind of like uh, my my particular pack was a grumpy bunch. Still is a little bit of a grumpy bunch. Uh, but I realized as a little kid that if if I made somebody laugh, they were uh, the the room was better. Uh, everything was like a little more relaxed. So that really kind of like this sort of like making my life better through making other people laugh kind of started there and my life was more relaxed if everybody was laughing and it kind of just like branched out from there 
I guess uh, it's not too dissimilar from like, what would you hear of comedians, right? That's their drug is getting that reaction from the audience. Yeah, mine was like, my mom won't chase me with a wooden spoon. (laughs) (laughs) You're giving me flashbacks all of a sudden. Uh, Dude, honestly, my mom was just out visiting me and she would tell my kids I would I would be bad and then she would chase me with a wooden spoon and I would try to make her laugh while she was chasing me and if I made her laugh the anger she felt would leave and um, and I was like and that's how you do improv like like that's your that was the ground yeah no there's something to that I kind of I kind of do that with my mom as well If, if I just make her laugh you know it just it just makes things better um, she mm-hmm. often um, compares me to like uh, Will Smith on Fresh Prince, not the actor, mm-hmm. because that's kind of what I grew up on. Fresh Prince, Family Matters, Full House, mm-hmm. even. Maybe she, she'd always, you know, be like, "Oh, you're, you just, you just like that guy on the television show." I'm like, "Mom, it's Will." Oh, you know? Yeah, so, so I, I like a little bit of a, a you know, Mama's boy. So, um, you know, Thanks. I see some. Sh- yeah. yeah, shades of that, and, and we'll definitely get to obliterated in in that uh, opening sequence. Um, that looks so crazy behind me. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's it's going right. it's alligator like... heads and <laughs> American flags. Clearly, hunting on your, on your time off. No, no, it's no. Honestly, it's... that gator head's been with me for a very long time. Is there a story behind that? Uh, that you were that that was a that was a birthday gift before i left home and that guy's kind of it's kind of in every shitty place i've ever lived in yeah. that was uh that's been on my coffee table but now oh, i yeah. have children look, look, look at the back of your house yeah it looks so shitty <laughs> no no i'm not now i'm just talking about like yeah 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 the no. apartment circuit you go on um Another franchise that uh, I'm a big fan of uh, is Final Destination. And you were in mm-hmm. the Final Destination, which was a, the 3D one. At least, uh, I don't know if there was more than one that were 3D, but this one was, you can tell, right? Like, you watch it and all these things were supposed to pop. Um, I, I was just having breakfast the other day with a couple of stunt friends of mine. And uh, we just found out through conversation that his first job was on Final and we were having breakfast and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I was like 18. And I was like, dude, we didn't even talk to each other. And uh, he was like, that was the wildest set I've ever been on. And I was like, I go, it was my first um, like franchise movie. So I thought they had different rules. I was like, wow, man, this is just pretty wild out here. But uh, no, it's it was fun. I, there's stuff in final I will never do again that there was a guy who directed it named David Ellis. He wrote snakes on the plane, directed snake. I don't know if he wrote, but he directed snakes on the plane, but Dave Ellis is a stunt man and Dave Ellis is a director and Dave Ellis is like, uh, was a, uh, like he could talk you into doing stuff like in bro talk. <laughs> That you don't even realize that you agreed to something. And Dave was just like, hey, what they're going to have to do in this pool thing is uh, they're going to harness you to the bottom of the pool. But it's going to be fine. We're going to give you a breathing apparatus. But you can't wear goggles. 
or anything on your nose. But I'm going to have a medic underwater with you. And he's just going to have the thing on a stick. And he'll just like throw it in your hand in between takes. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the day comes. And we rehearsed and stuff. But then the day comes and they actually tied me to a bottom of a pool. And um, and <laughs> and I swear, I was sitting there at the bottom of the pool. And it was like, a, it had to be like the 15 foot because it was a dive pool. And it was 3D. So they wanted the effect of people being high above. And I started having the beginnings of what felt like a panic attack. And I'm sitting there breathing. And the... Dave, the director, was on uh, speakers underwater. And he was like, hey, man. And he's just talking like nothing's going on. He was the most subtle, like, hey, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to let the water calm down for a little bit, and we're going to put the extras to get playful, and then um, we're just going to go to you. Struggle. And uh, should be good to go. You good? And then you just sit there, and you're like, Phew. and he's like, all right. And he just does everything from the water. And they said, action. And I froze. I didn't want to let the apparatus out. Because when you sweat, if like if you were in the water, you could hold your breath for like a minute, right? I could hold my breath for like, I think we timed it as like, uh, like a minute 38 or something, a minute 40 or something. When I'm still. But if you're moving, you get like, 28 seconds before you need air because it's just different. You're exerting so much. So <laughs> I really didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, but I was down there and I was tied. And I was like, I just want to, this was a bad idea. <laughs> and then I heard cart and I'm like, and then Dave knew. I, I know David knew. And he goes, there was this time when I was doing a stunt on a TV show and I was in a bear costume. And he just starts telling a story. <laughs> and I'm, I'm tied on the bottom of a pool. And he goes, I was uh, in a bear costume and the actor at the time was on narcotics. And I had to attack him and he accidentally stabbed me with a real knife. And I was in the bear suit. And the actor goes, oh my God, I stabbed you. And I said to him, don't worry about it. Let's just get the take from inside the bear suit. So why don't we just go and get this take, Nick? <laughs> and I was just like, and then we did it and we proceeded to do it. And to this day, by a mile, one of the most dangerous stunt emotionally I've ever done. Yeah, I rewatched that far. movie. No, it's it gave me anxiety. I, I rewatched yeah. the whole thing last night. And um, can you still do the 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 coin roll on your fingers? You know, it's funny. I, um, I think I can. However, I banged my my buddy has a an attack dog, oh. and his attack dog freaking destroyed my finger like five months ago. I don't even. It's like a speed bump now if I try to do it. Oh, and you're left handed. Yeah. Ah, okay. My my son's a lefty. Um, the the baby might be too. You you mentioned a couple of kids, and you know we we won't uh, get into like you know details, but but uh, you know you as a father, um, mm. if you're willing to share, what was it like during the strike for for you? Because obliterated, it's about to come out. You cannot share mm. anything. 
but also it sounds, I'm assuming you probably got a, a little bit more time with the family. Oh, no, I, t- I tell my kids, I'm like, between COVID and the strike, you guys can't say I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I've been there. But it's also like it's a bizarre gift that I know later in life I'll be so grateful that I had it. I, I know for a fact I'm going to be like, I am so grateful for those series of events to occur. And, you know, like that's the only way to, I guess, look at life when it gets hard is like, what's the lesson here? What am I supposed to learn from this? And maybe my thing is I get to see my kids during a time, as you know, is fleeting. It's a short time. It's a short window. You, you've done a, a lot, you know, sitcoms, um, rom-coms, you know, we got obliterated. Uh, is, is there a, like a, like a, um, did you decide to kind of go away from like the, your, your, your features, your, your big features, your, your theatrical release type movies? Cause I feel it's kind of been like streamers and, and, and things as of late that that just kind of come around the same time as you becoming a dad. Uh, no, I think legends. Legends was a hundred percent um becoming a papa. That, that was like at it. There there are things you gotta set up as you know when you're um a dad. And uh Legends was an opportunity for me to um you know set a foundation for my family, which is you know the most important thing. And um they're first, you know, this stuff that I get to do is second. Um but yeah, it's also the other fun side of it is like they come with me on location so like they have places they like they have places they don't care for um and those places are pretty short-lived uh but they uh they like it they like it they're in like they're like where are we going and i was like we're going back to vancouver and they're like ah and they got friends everywhere my kids have more friends now than i've ever had in my life like they have friends in different like areas of LA. Like they have like three clicks of friends pending where we are in just LA. And I'm like, how did this even happen? How is this even possible? But they got it. Do, do, um, do they? Because I, I think they're um, around my my younger kids as well. My my youngest just turned three on Halloween, and then uh, my daughter is uh, almost five. And um, do do. Do your kids have like, a, like like dad's an actor? Like he's on TV. Do they? Is that their reality, or like dad just goes to work and and that's what that is for them? I think it's a healthy hybrid, um, but like working on Legends, I would take my son onto the Wave Rider if I if I had the day off, and they weren't shooting on the Wave Rider, which is like the time ship which was one set and it was massive. It was like, had to be like 15,000 feet, like just enormous. And I would take my kid there and he and I would play on the ship. He would sit in seats and we'd run down the hallways and like, you know, he was small. So I can't even fathom what it looked like from his perspective and, and what it felt like. But for me, it was just like, it was like a dad dream come true, you know? Like my little boy just wanted to play on a ship. And I was like, well, if you want to play on a ship, I have a ship to show you. And, I'm, <laughs> and then we went to set. It was great. It was super fun. And, and like, 
you know, my daughter has this funny thing with me where she's like, yeah, but you're not funny. And I was like, I was like, no, I'm, I'm like, people think I'm funny. Some people think I'm funny. She's like, daddy, you're not funny. And I was like, Lenny, I, I'm, I got it. And she's just like, she's, you know, kids humble you in two seconds. There's oh, no way you can get egotistical around children. 100%. If you don't mind me asking, how old's your daughter? She's five. Oh, see, so yeah. same age. My, my, um, I was trying to like make eating dinner fun one night. And I was like, honey, let's, let, let's race, you know, like if you win, I give you, uh, you know, like, a, you know, like some ice cream. And she just looks me dead in the eyes like, daddy, it's not a competition. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, that's about like, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's I got right. going on 15. Um, obliterated, right? Uh, mm. I'm a little, I mean, I, I know you did that, that the movie College. I, I was just kind of going through like some of your previous work. I, I was a little surprised, like, um, there wasn't a lot more like comedy, comedy, you know, uh, maybe like a college or maybe like an obliterated, you know, it's, it's been mm. a lot, a lot of other things. Um, how did, uh, obliterated come across your lap? It's, it, it sounds like you read the script and you're like, I, uh, I believe your words were like, I hear his voice, you know, like, um, yeah. could you talk about like the draw for this character and how, how you heard about the project? Well, I needed to like creatively blow off steam. I, like, and I needed something and, and I needed to like really just go hard into something. And, you know, that's, that's easier said than done, you know, cause in order for anything to get going there, it has to be an intersect between you wanting to do the thing you want to do and that thing actually existing and that thing existing at the same time frame. And, uh, I got off a show and I read the script and, and I read several other things before that. And they didn't remotely give me that feeling of energy or, or like, like it was so clear. Like when I read Obliterated, I, it was so clear who McKnight was. It was so easy in my head who he was. And I understood the way the guys wrote. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, like I kind of have to do this. And that's what I said to them. I was like, Guys, I have to do this. I was like, I, I have to. I, and I made a deal with him. I was like, I promise I won't let you down. I promise I won't be a, an ass. I promise I'll set a good tone. And um, I was like, but I but I really want to do this. And we got to do it. And it, that in its of itself is wild that you have this thing and then it's presented and it actually works out, which is insane it never happens but it did and i'm so grateful for it and uh yeah the experience was everything i thought it was going to be <laughs> like literally everything i thought it was going to be only my co-stars were a lot better than i could ever have imagined like they were the best people to be around doing this type of insane stuff um terrence was like literally became like a kin to me in a matter of days. And what was, uh, actually what was your guys' meeting first like? How when did you first meet Terrence? Because this is gonna be you know, McTrunk, right? Like this is gonna be yeah. your 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 battle buddy is what we call them yeah, in the Yeah, it's your guys. Yeah. Um he I was hired 
And they were like, we're trying to close the deal on this guy for Trunk. Uh, he's going to be great. And that's vague as hell, because like, if you read the character, like the character's like a character, you know? And I've been around a lot of like character actors before and the character actors are great. And then I get a voicemail and uh, it's from Terrence. And he's just screaming into the phone about working together. And I've never met him before. He's screaming in the phone about working together. And then we meet and we click off immediately. And then I realize, oh my God, you're just a very, you're so far from a character actor. You're just a, a wonderful talent. Like you're an extremely talented man and, and, and a good kind person. And, uh, and, to my joy, I, I absolutely loved working with T and I hope to work with him again. Um, he's, he's the best, man. My, my, my daughter had a special friends day at school and she asked T to go. So my, my kindergarten daughter walked in with trunk. <laughs> like... <laughs> like holding like my daughter's hand and there's Terrence holding her hand and she walked yeah. into the classroom and that was her special friend. He's like six. Five, the show, right? Thank God the show had not come out at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a sweet window. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really cute. Um, I, cause like, yeah, six, five, your daughter probably, you know, <laughs> my, God, my daughter's like this tall. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it was hilarious. And they like, it was so much fun, and and he's uh, man. I just I just love. I can't say enough nice things about everybody on the show, but I just have a special spot in my heart for T. Yeah, I I need some sort of like web series of McTrunk. You know, their days leading up to where we see them in episode two. You know, because they they've been around a lot. You know, like you pick up so yeah. much in their in the dialogue. Like the uh, I think it's episode five where McKnight says something like, um, you know, they talk about like, you know, like you didn't mind it when it slapped your ass in the shower or I'm, I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing, but that, you know, like that, that tells you a lot about their relationship. Um, yeah. Be, before I would get- love, I would love a flashback episode of just the team of, of Gomez, Trunk and McKnight, a flashback episode would be like, if you've seen Cobra Kai, they do flashbacks and, you know, right. I was just like, you know, we got that little one in episode two. I don't see why we can't get, um, you know, a few more sprinkles. But like those three with Gomez, like they served. They did time together. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that dynamic for real. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. I feel like it'd be super fun. Yeah, absolutely. I know it would be fun. Yeah. Put like tea in a giant beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I love shit. It. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you and Shelly knew each other before you guys got this? Not at all. No. Um, I did a chemistry read with Shelly. And as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, God, I please let this work out. Like, Shelly was so obvious to me that she was, like, the one for the for the job. And you guys just and had she had, like, instantly. And, like, we still do. Like, we have... Shelly and I have great shorthand, which is like when you're doing something like this, it's complicated to articulate something sometimes because you're talking about like 
emotions that are not real emotions that are like fictional emotions of other people. So having a shorthand is is really important. And um, Shelly and I have great shorthand. We have we have a great working relationship. Really enjoy working with her. I think she's extremely talented. Um, yeah, and, and and we work on screen. I I think I, I like I like to think so. I think so too. Um, the, the reason I asked because like uh, when I spoke with Eugene, uh, I guess the joke is like Eugene just knows everybody, right? And yeah. um, I think recently both Shelly and Eugene shared pictures with like Thomas Decker, and I believe you also know him, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just thought maybe like there was just like this little circle you guys were all part of and it ended up on obliterated together. Listen, Eugene is we were doing a weapons training day and Eugene was there and our military op Kevin, as you know, was uh our tech who's the greatest tech in the game. Kevin Kent, long live the great, wonderful Kevin Kent. Uh so we're like, you know, dropping our magazines, putting new ones in. And Eugene, like, put his magazine. And this was like the second day. We barely knew each other. And we were in a very respectful zone with Kevin in, during this time of training. So there's no fooling around, no, no, no stupidity. We were there to work. And Eugene go to <laughs> slam his magazine and holds his weapon up and his magazine just drops out and hits the ground and like tink 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 and like and, and we were all standing there and I look at Terrence and Terrence looks at Eugene and then looks at me and goes oh my god you are Paul <laughs> <laughs> and there was a good healthy portion of this experience where we just called Eugene Paul when he had Paul tendencies, we're like, okay, Paul, <laughs> like, what is real life? It was like, it was fun, man. It was super fun. Like when we did our diner scene, our diner couple of days, when we fought Elvis's, that was a fun day for us because it was the first time the three of us were alone, like sitting. And we weren't in a helicopter. We weren't fighting. We weren't shooting. There wasn't like 87 stunts even though there was a very elaborate fight sequence in it, that was still considered a kind of chill day on that show, but it was nice. And, uh, and Eugene's so pleasant and wonderful. And like, if you don't like Eugene, then like, that's on you, man. It's not on Eugene. No, well, I, I thought you were going to maybe share, uh, cause he told me how well, there's this part where, uh, uh, Paul is ordering off the menu and there's like only like 10 oh items and, and, and you couldn't oh hold God. a straight face. Right. Can you talk about that part? Dude, <laughs> dude, that guy, that guy took a comedic pause. That wasn't even a comedic pause. It was like a comedic. I left the scene and I'm going to come back. That man, like Terrence just runs through a laundry list of food, right? Like, brrrah. And then the waitress goes, and you? And Eugene took so much time. And he's high in the scene, right? And then he, like, to look at the menu, he, like, put his head down and, like, came up. And, like, I was, like, and I had to be pissed in the scene. So I was angry. And you could kind of hide a laugh in anger 
if you're if you're playing angry, you can hide a laugh longer because you just like the you know distort your face. And I was just like, oh, oh, and it was rough. And then he just goes a plain muffin, and I'm like, oh my, because <laughs> it wasn't written. It, 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 it that's the thing. Like everything he was doing, they were just letting it happen, and it was happening, and it was so funny, and it was one of the heart. I laughed so much on this show, I really did. I laughed my face off, and it and it's because of everybody I got to work with. What's another moment like that with someone else? Did, did Kimmy have something like that with you? Dude, Kimmy, Kimmy's a is a gift. Kimmy's a revelation. Kimmy's extraordinary the this show is, is is good because kimmy came on um kimmy kimmy and i had so many things where we were playing two different things simultaneously she was like infatuated i was oblivious like it was like that kind of dynamic and then her dream sequence was wild that dream sequence was one of the most wild days I had on the series uh, because it was absurd. It was ridiculous. It was a dream. It was like, a, a, you know, she was on, you know, morphine and she was having this dream in a hospital. And just the dialogue alone in that scene is outrageous. And uh, yeah, we had one of the more funny uh, sex scenes from the series. <laughs> Was was it scripted for McKnight to put his finger in her mouth in that dream sequence? No, it was it was her coverage, and like we were going through everything. But I asked before we, I did it before a take, because um, she had she had to say something over her shoulder, and I was just like sitting there, and I saw the camera angle, and I was like, hey. And she was like, she was like, oh my God, yes. So when it happened, it like pulled her away from lens, which was sort of funny. It was, yeah. it was perfect. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. saw that it and I laughed hysterically because it's just, you know, like it's that thing that's out of frame, you know, like it kind of, it kind of reminded me of like, uh, I, I think it was Awesome Powers Gold member where, uh, you know, he's like talking to Fred Savage and he's got the big mole. And, uh-huh. and like he keeps drawing attention to it, and then like out of the frame, you see the stick come in and just touches the mole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yeah, was yeah, very yeah. much like that, you know, like Big Night's figure going into her yeah. mouth. Like you, you, you're not expecting that. So I just, I, I love that. And so that's the stuff I. I... <laughs> yeah, that was one of those times where like the camera made the joke. The the camera setup was yeah. like ooh, and then uh, you know Kimmy being a a baller, she was like yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it was really good. Uh, I, I've asked um, a lot of people uh, about this, but uh, can you uh, share, um, you know, like Christine McHugh's contribution, the intimacy coordinator, just like mm-hmm. uh, like like uh, your relationship with her, um, you know, on, on set and what that was like um, for you? Um, Christine was like a stunt coordinator. Like she, all of the sex scenes were handled like stunts. Like they were choreographed, they were talked mm-hmm. about. They were like beat it out for where they go and and how they go and how far they go. And Christine was like the absolute best um, liaison 
for that sort of conversation and conversations you have to have on a, you know, weekly basis as far as this show goes. I can't imagine what her, what her email box must have looked like from this show. Like every scene you see in the show that has um, any nudity or any sexual anything, it has to go through her. And this show has a lot of ridiculous moments such as that, where she's in the ball game. I guarantee you she's bored as hell at her next job. <laughs> the next place she goes to, she's going to be bored as hell. She's yeah. going to be like, what am I here for? Like, what's, You guys are doing what? Like, she's the, she was so busy and in such demand. It was, uh, it was fantastic. And she has like the greatest temperament and she may have ruined me for all future intimacy coordinators. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing on time? Yeah, it's like 2.30. Want to do another 10? Okay, yeah. If, if you're yeah. down, I'm happy to do it. Let's let's do it. Um, in the auditioning process, was was there that scene with uh, McKnight and his mom? Or is that something you found out about later? No, it was with McKnight and his mom, but I wasn't sure if it was a scene. Um, actually, you know what? I, I was, and, and it did, because I read I read the first two episodes. And, uh, and like, the mom was important. And, and that made me really excited. Because our first episode of the show, which I, I don't think is highlighted enough, our first episode is the beginning of a magic trick, you know? So the episode one of obliterated is like, it's like when David Blaine starts the trick and you're like, do you know, like the trick even started yet? And that's our first episode. And shortly after that, the magic trick starts happening until eventually you're like, Oh, that was a great trick. Like I didn't even realize it, but the first episode is the beginning of the trick. And part two with the mom was like, now the trick's getting revealed. Now we're getting into the magic trick. And uh, and that's where like, it's a testament to the guys, man. They, they, they know exactly where the heart is right there. And they, and they go to it and they give it to the people who you least expect to have it. And so when you meet McKnight, you would never expect him to be a mama's boy or like from a, you know, from where he's from. You just, there's this, you know, shallow meathead, but there's a story to him. And that's what the guys are great at. They're great at finding that humanizing element to people. Absolutely. Um, what would you think about um, Eugene's scene where uh, Paul has to talk to his daughter, you being a dad? Um, were you there on set? Uh, and when did you see kind of a more polished version of it, if not live? I didn't see it when he was on the, when he was doing it. Um, there's so much, like if you, we had some, we had two sets going simultaneously for a, a lot. So like you could be on second unit, main unit, and then wrap up your main unit day and go to second unit for like a half a day. Um, so I wasn't there. Um, but yeah, that stuff, come on, man, that, that would, I would, there'd probably be like, pull it back, Nick, relax, man. I'd be like, you don't know. <laughs> it was, it was good. I told Eugene that I was sobbing. I legit was crying. I have a daughter yeah. just a little bit older than, uh, Minnie's character, 
Jenny, Jen, Jenny. And, um, you know, I, I felt like myself a little bit, you know, having been away from the family at times uh, mm-hmm. and my daughter being an adult, uh, I'm not around as much because she's she's not living her life. And I'm like, I feel you, Paul, you know, so, yeah, couldn't help but kind of feel like getting his shoes at that moment. Yeah, but also the guys are dads. I mean, everyone else out of Hayden. Um, yeah. They're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful fathers and they have fantastic kids. So they're like the guys are really nice people. And just like the majority of us who are even watching this or watching anything, we're at heart nice people. We're, we're the, our population is majority nice and there's like a minority of not great. But when you just do something that's speaking of like love and kindness and some sort of nice place, it's going to relate more than it's not going to relate. And talking about, you know, love of a child, that's come on, man, that's knife through the heart kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love mm. their writing. That's why like uh, Joe and Lawan, I love their stuff. Bob Dearden, you know, like just, just when a was announced, you know, just, just the fact that, okay, first off, I, I call them the big three, right? So I coined that back in the Cobra mm-hmm. Kai days, the big three, John, Josh, and Hayden. When they announced obliterated and gave us an idea of what it's about, I'm like, I'm there. And then when I found out, you know, Joel was going to be directing a couple of the episodes mm-hmm. and some of the writers, Joel, I'm like, was great. this is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I interviewed you him too. You got some great this, episodes in obliterated. Yeah. Oh. Joel. incredible three and six yeah. three and six are, are really great so yeah. as we get ready to wrap up let's talk about a, a couple of uh, scenes um on the helicopter this this you know uh, uh bathroom joke you know about li- literally a bathroom joke where where ava has not been able to go mm-hmm. she's got to pee it's just such a comical scene can you run through like uh filming and and what that was like that was actually like one of the more like higher stress stunts for me because um, we had a helicopter and it, it had to be three stories in the air and it was tilted on its side and I was dangling out of it. So like, it looked like the helicopter was going to fall on me as I hang from it. And like I'm hanging three and three floors up with holding Tommy for only a couple of times at Tommy, but I had a stunt guy. And I was hanging there and our first AD at the time, a dude named Dieter, shout out to Dieter. Like we had fans going, it was so loud. And the P wasn't reading appropriately. So Dieter took it upon himself to handle that because we were short on time. So they're like, action. And then Dieter, for whatever reason, took the whole can and just threw it <laughs> in the face with the whole can. And I remember getting hit by it. And during the take being like, Dieter, what the, what are you doing? And he was like, all right, let's go again. <laughs> and then we just tried. And the next time he did it and it was perfect. And then I got pulled up. And when they pulled me back in and took all the harnesses off, I'm like, in what world is that a pour? I'm like, you just threw a whole can of liquid at my face. He was like, hey, bud. Was trying to do my best, <laughs> but he got me, man. Yeah, I just I, I I love it, and I told Shelly like she really commits to her comedic scenes too. 
Like, um, I, I don't know if anyone's out there saying like, oh, she doesn't do enough funny stuff, but I, I, I would love to see more, more of that stuff from her. Um, She's uh, very future. funny. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, what about the, um, the episode two, the strip club, big willies. Uh, what do you remember, you know, what, from, from Janet to the, the fight sequence? Oh my God. Janet's so funny. Um, the fight sequence was, was, was it was happening in a lot of places I remember and just like jumping in here and there. Uh, but I remember one thing about it is that uh, when we went to big Willie's and it was revealed that trunk goes there <laughs> and trunk stays there. Like you won't be able to notice it unless you pay attention to it. But I started staring at Terrence as soon as we walk in there and that guy walks up to him and I start staring at him in such a way. And I don't look at anybody else or anything else that's happening. I just stare at Terrence the entire time of just like daggers through him. Like you son of a bitch, like just that look on and Terrence couldn't look at me. And we, it was just the two of us it, it, like in on this. Everybody else was like, what the hell are you two doing? But I was just like, McKnight was so mad at trunk. And I was just like giving him that Michael Scott, you know, Toby scare. And I was just like giving it to him. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun moment at Big Willie's. Uh, yeah, that place was wild. That seems wild. It's also like sort of fun, like overall environment. It was fun. It's just a funny scene. It's a funny world. There. It's, it's a great episode directed by Josh Heald, you know, one of the creators for those Josh. that don't know. Yeah, just incredible episode, uh, episode two and ten, uh, or eight rather. Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, let's, let's end it with this uh, last couple of minutes here. Um, what, because, you know, so many things happen in the show, and I, I can only imagine all the stuff that was cut out. Is there something that you <clears throat> can remember that was cut that you wish that maybe the audience could have seen? Oh man, yeah. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. No, honestly, no. Uh, Everything I saw on the show was there, and like they they did, they put everything. Everything was good. Like that was the thing. Everything was good, and everything stayed. They didn't write a lot of like extra stuff. Like there wasn't um, like hidden things here or there that I can recall. So there was nothing like left on the floor outside of like there was a you guys I don't got even uh, know. you guys got pulled over uh the, the party bus oh, yeah, we had, over. We had, yeah yeah we threatened a cop which <laughs> oh, <no. they laughs> I, didn't know yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you guys yeah. threatened the cop <laughs> yeah. i didn't know until you just said it um yeah a cop gets on the party bus and i don't know we just kind of maybe rough them up a bit or like something <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't our best but uh yeah by the way, I love when people say John Josh Hayden very fast together as like one person. John Josh okay. Hayden. Because they Hayden, are yeah. one person. John Josh Hayden. And and that's why uh like when 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 I first started Cobra Kai, I was actually saying their full name, John Hurwitz, you know, Hayden Schlossberg and Josh Hill. I was like, I need something easier. And I'm a big NBA fan. And so I go, mm-hmm. the big three. They're the big three. Yeah. You know, so so now we just call them T V three uh on, on TV three, wow. T V yeah, three, the big you three, go. you know. So T V three or John Josh and Hayden. So I I've got me to say it. Uh Bobby Bo- uh, uh Bobby Bo- Bobby Montel Bush also referred to them as uh, the, uh, the big three, and now Eugene. 
So Nick, if you oh, if you want to call them the big three, you know that's a that's oh, a freebie. Man. I I <laughs> I have a thing where Terrence and I on set when we would be either like somewhere freezing or somewhere hot or somewhere where it was just like difficult. T and I would be like, John, John Josh, John Josh Hayden, <laughs> John Josh. That's just it. And it was just like, just eventually somebody in sound would be like, I think the guys are looking for you. And then one of them would show up and he's like, would you guys need something? We're like, Oh no, 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 man. We're just, that's sort of like our mantra. We just say to each other to check in is John, John, just Hayden. It's almost like one of those actors with the, the three first names or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're the three first name boys. They're wonderful guys. They're super talented, and, and I hope we get a second season. It's a great show to binge if you haven't watched it yet. Like, get yeah. in on it, man. Get in on it. And it sounds like you already got an insight for for the outline of a possible season two, if and when Netflix greenlights it. Um. Yeah, I got. I'm privy to what goes on in season two, and it's. Man, if you love it, you're going to love to. And the guys have always said that each season isn't like any season we get to do after the first one is a sequel. It's nice. not season two. It's a sequel. And that sequel takes place in different places, like most sequels do. Like there's Die Hard and there's Die Hard 2. So this one I got a little intel on and and hopefully we get to do it because if we get to do it, it really there's so many fantastic payoffs that now we we got all the legwork out of the way in the first season you know all the heavy lifting is done now you know your characters and we can put them anywhere and the guys already like they got excited and they 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 did a lot of work for season two already so let's just make it happen watch it Absolutely. I, I can predict the first episode. McKnight is going to go grab Trunk from Lady Gaga. I said, I need you for this next mission. That's it. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for your time. You've been so gracious. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the support and, uh, and, and love. It goes noticed. This has been a production of the Companion Network.